0: with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer, amen. So on this day when we wrap up our season of stewardship here at the Davis United Methodist Church, we remember that... This is a season we use to focus our attention on one particular core teaching of the Christian faith. That is, the belief that we are called to be stewards on God's behalf. A steward is someone entrusted with things that do not belong to the steward. A steward is, something, is someone who cares for something on behalf of someone else. And we believe that everything we have is entrusted to us by God. We are called to be stewards of everything entrusted to us. And really, it is not only everything we have, but everything we are that is entrusted to us by God. So we are called to care for all that we have and all that we are as gifts from God, belonging to God, entrusted to us for faithful use. But how do we know whether our stewardship is faithful? How can we know whether we are using and caring for everything we have in ways that are faithful. The story we find in our scripture this morning is commonly referred to as Aaron's call. We talked about call last week, we read the story of Samuel's call, we talked about how God calls each one of us to put our skills to use on God's behalf. That's one aspect of stewardship, remembering that God entrusts us with skills that we can use for God's work, and that's what we talked about last week. When we meet Abram this morning, he's called, if we fast forward 24 years or four plus chapters in the book of Genesis, we find God giving Abram a name change. Abram will one day be called Abraham, and his wife Sarai becomes Sarah as a sign of the new covenant God makes with Abraham at that time. But at this point in our story this morning, Abram is still Abram, and God calls Abram to travel to an unknown land. God calls Abram to a journey. God promises Abram that God will bless Abram. And God goes on to name the purpose of that blessing. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. Since we, Surely we are blessed by all that God entrusts to us. So here we find the answer to the question I just posed of how we can know whether we are faithful in our stewardship. We know we are faithful when our use of all that has been entrusted to us blesses others. We know we are faithful when our practice of stewardship is a blessing to others. Like Abram, we are blessed so that we will be a blessing. Abram is called by God to travel to a land that God will reveal to Abram. It's typical of most of our Bible stories that we are not given any insight or information as into what Abram is thinking or feeling about this. We don't know what it took for Abram to embark upon that journey. But we can make some guesses. When God calls Abram, God makes it clear that Abram will be leaving behind everything familiar, everything known. God says, go from your country, and from your kindred, and from your father's house. Go away from everything you know. You will be leaving familiar territory, and exchanging it for someplace unfamiliar, strange, alien, The Bible doesn't tell us, but I have to imagine that it took courage and strength for Abram to embark upon this journey into new territory. Abram's decision to go certainly suggests that Abram had a real desire to be obedient to God. I would call a Christian perspective on stewardship unfamiliar, strange, even alien territory. Another word you might use is countercultural. The Christian message that we are stewards even of our financial resources flies in the face of American values and dominant cultural messages about money. Embarking on the journey of practicing Christian stewardship requires us to demonstrate a certain amount of courage and strength, like Abram. It asks us to want to be obedient to God. Here's the thing about the Christian faith. The Christian faith is incarnational. That means it is a flesh-and-blood faith, a faith that plays out in the real world, in real life, and not only in some spiritual dimension that can be imagined to be separate from real life. I can't think of anything more real life, more real world than money and how we deal with money. We know that the United States is an incredibly wealthy nation. This means that aside from any of our personal situations, The context we live in makes it challenging to maintain a focus on Christian values around money and possessions. We live in a very materialistic culture. One of the places where I notice this most is when it comes time to buy gifts for our nieces and nephews. All our nieces and nephews have more stuff than they need, more toys than they can really use and enjoy. I don't know if any of you know any kids like that. Their parents sometimes feel bothered by this, but it's difficult to avoid with aunts and uncles and grandparents and friends all wanting to give gifts. Katie and I try to give very modest gifts because we feel like that's in line with our values. Christian stewardship is about aligning our use of money with our values to the best of our ability. My favorite example of success in this area was the year we gave my niece and nephew soap for Christmas. We found these really cute soaps. One was this big, bright yellow duck, and the other was a big, bright green frog. They were adorable, and the kids loved their soap. And their biggest disappointment Christmas morning was that they were not allowed to leave the opening of presents to go take a bath. They were happy, and so were we. We knew that we had not contributed to the growing piles of plastic and plush that clutter their bedrooms. We also hadn't put an excessive amount of money toward a couple of middle-class kids who have more than they need. I think they were three and five at that time, but the kids are older now, and it is not that easy. We still don't want to contribute to their growing materialism, and we know they have so much stuff that much of it goes largely unappreciated. But we want them to know that they're special to us, and we don't want to fail to measure up when compared to the other gift-givers in their lives. On some level, I know that ultimately how they feel about us will be about the time we spend with them and the relationship we build, and not about anything we do or don't give to them. But I still worry about not giving good enough gifts. It requires disciplined, intentional effort not to fall into our society's trap of materialism. Aligning our spending with our faith invites us, as God invited Abram, on a journey into less familiar territory. You might call it the road less traveled. I feel as deep a conviction about financial giving being a spiritual practice as I feel about anything. This is a deeply heartfelt part of my own personal faith and my own personal practice. And that's not because I'm good at it, but it's because I recognize that it's a practice that challenges me to grow in ways that are really meaningful. A Christian perspective on how we are stewards of our financial resources is is relevant to every one of us, whether we have a lot of money or very little. Whatever your financial position is, It doesn't exempt you from the challenging spiritual practice of using whatever resources you have in ways that are faithful. We know that God cares about how we use our financial resources. Scripture in general tells us so, and Jesus in particular gives a lot of attention to the faithful person's relationship to money, wealth, and material possessions. And we know that we are faithful in our use of resources when we do this in a way that blesses others. Any spiritual practice calls us to be intentional. Any spiritual practice requires effort that takes us outside of what is convenient. That's true about making the effort to show up here for worship on Sunday morning. It's true about making time to pray on any regular basis. It's true about taking time out of our busy schedule to serve others. None of these things happen automatically or accidentally, or even easily. We make these things happen purposefully, by design. And we also look purposefully at how we use our money and consider for ourselves how God might view the ways we use our money. And spiritual practices are like any other practices, like practicing an instrument or practicing a sport. You don't ever reach a point of being such a master that you stop practicing. Professional musicians spend hours in practice, professional athletes spend hours in practice, and Christians practice spiritual disciplines over and over, year after year. One of my close friends has been working for years to develop a meditation practice. She's really struggled with it, and she's talked to her therapist about it trying to gain insight into the reasons it is so difficult for her to practice consistently, trying to understand what the psychological barriers might be that get in the way of this practice that she wants to practice. But finally, her therapist said to her, you don't need to understand it better, you just need to try doing it. I hear something of this attitude in the simplicity of Abram's response to God's call. God said, go, and Abram went. Surely that journey started with putting one foot in front of the other. We don't know what was going on inside Abram's head, but we know that he went. In the spiritual practice of financial giving, we need to just try doing it. When I look at my practice of giving, I do math. I believe in proportional giving, which means giving uh, a proportion of my income. I believe in tithing, which is the biblical standard of giving 10% of our income and I believe in math. People have questions about how to do the math, about what rules to follow in our giving or our calculations, but I suggest that you don't worry about some abstract set of rules. I suggest that we all simply start somewhere, and that we keep in mind an accurate picture of what our giving is, and that we all strive to grow in this area of spiritual practice. I do different kinds of math when I look at our giving, and really Katie and I do this together, but I'm sort of the numbers person in our family. Keeping our records in Quicken makes this easy to do. I look at our gross income, and I also look at our net income. I look at our giving as a percentage of each. Our giving doesn't only come to this church. Our giving includes Katie's church and a handful of organizations that are important to us. So sometimes I break it down when I look at it. I look at our giving to this church as a percentage of my income and as a percentage of our household income. This year, it turned out that our giving to the church equaled 9.7% of my gross income. I had meant it to be 10%, so we'll make an adjustment as we look toward 2013. I look at our total combined giving in relation to our household income. I also look at what we spend on basic needs, food, shelter, and clothing, and I look at what we spend on wants, on things that are more discretionary. Sometimes I'll take a look at particular categories, like what we spend on eating out, or what I spend on my latte habit, to see how some of our luxury spending compares to our charitable giving. I look at these things with a sense of genuine curiosity. This is data. It tells me what I under- it helps me understand what we do with our money. I ask, what do I think our values are, And then, how does our spending align with our values? I do this because I really care. I do this because bad habits are incredibly easy to fall into. I do this because I want to give the kind of time and attention and discipline to our charitable giving that I give to my prayer life or my commitment to study scripture or any other spiritual practice. I believe in math and I believe in data because it gives us a picture of reality. I encourage you to be curious about yourself. Not judgmental and not harsh, but curious. I encourage you to have an accurate picture of what your giving habits are. I encourage you to start somewhere and to make an effort to grow over time. Generalizations don't, of course, apply to everyone, but one thing that statistical research in the church shows is that folks who are older tend to give a higher percentage of their income and folks who um, have more years of church membership tend to give a higher percentage of their income. So I trust that this spiritual practice, like so many others, is an area where we grow over time. And that's one of the purposes of Christian stewardship, to grow spiritually. A second purpose of stewardship of our financial resources is to change the world. We're trying to make a real difference in people's lives and in the world. We believe that the ways people are spiritually fed and challenged by this church make a difference in how we are empowered to improve the world around us. We heard that reflected so well every week in the stewardship testimonies we heard from the folks who spoke to our congregation. We believe that the real ministries of service and justice that we support as a church make a difference in the world. We believe that we do bless the world through our ministries, for we know that we are blessed for the purpose of being a blessing. Financial resources aren't always a blessing. Sometimes they're a barrier. We remember the stories of Jesus telling the man to sell all he had and give to the poor. We remember Jesus saying that it will be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of God. These texts aren't my focus today, but they suggest that at least in some cases, wealth can act as a barrier to our relationship to God. But we know as stewards that financial resources entrusted to us can also be a blessing used to bless many. This is how we are called to use our resources, so that in being blessed, we will be a blessing. God's promise to Abram is to make Abram great. But we also find out what it really means to be great in God's eyes. To be great is to be a blessing to others. This is God's promise to Abram and to us. So, like Abram, we muster our courage and our strength. We tap into our desire to be obedient to God. And together, we travel this journey that is Christian stewardship. Amen.